With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was a bouncing and a laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Daddy looking in his rear view, hoping that we just hang on. Well, I can't recall a time when I ever had so much fun as I did when I rode in the back of a pick. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 113 of the Always Race Day podcast. I'm here with Damon Helgevald, Josh Olmstead, Noah Nilsson, Caleb Sluha, uh, and myself, Connor Ferguson. Uh, and before we get started here, got to remind you guys uh, that we are presented by the fine, loving, dandy of a group of people that is at the Colorado group. They are the opposite of Minnesota wild fans. They will take care of you. I can guarantee they will be nice to you. They will clean things in the car that you're buying from them. A Minnesota wild fan would never, uh, they'd be too busy moaning about refs that, well, they weren't good, but that's okay. It's okay. I'm going to let it go. Damon, Damon, Damon tried to give me advice before the episode to not let it get to me. Um, but we're, it's, it's it did not work, no, obviously. I'm moving on, Caleb, or Damon. I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm moving on. We're good. We, we're just thanking the Colorado group. We'll give you a nice, clean car with no tripping penalties whatsoever. Okay. Way to go, Damon. Now you got me yelled at. Yeah, I know. I, I apologize. <laughs> I guess it's all my fault. Well, I've been talking to my mic backwards this whole time, and contrary to what everyone might think, I did not have one beer during the entire game. I don't believe that. No. I, was, I find that very I was saving it for yeah, yeah, four. Let's get the podcast started. Where's the koozie? Yeah, I don't have a koozie over here. I didn't bring one over. I I oh, literally really? just had that beer here so I could make a toast. You expected him to be prepared? All right, wow. Dude. You're right. Wow. My bad. All right. This is is not the welcome I wanted on the episode that I got my best friend on the podcast for. Well, 
he he obviously is not your best friend. He never did actually declare that. Oh, we we got it at the end. He never you guys, can, you guys can make up the decision for yourself. Um, I did leave my phone number with his assistant. Well, you'll listen to it. You'll you'll see what we're talking about. I hope you enjoy the interview. If you haven't uh, noticed the title of the episode yet, uh, Antron Brown is on the show this week. Uh, we got a weekend of racing to talk about before we get to him. It's a great interview. You guys are going to enjoy it. Um, wanted to start off today with NASCAR Kyle Busch. Uh, with an upset victory. Uh, I know I went on that rant after the Daytona 500 about how Ricky Stenhouse Jr. winning that race can't be can't be considered an upset. Well, Kyle Busch winning at a super speedway certainly is his first Talladega win in 15 years um, and his second with Richard Childress Racing. So pretty, uh, pretty big start to the season for the number 18. I mean, I wouldn't consider it a uh, upset win. Why not? But- means Why not? the the team won at daytona last year in the three with the three car the team won with a good super speedway driver kyle's a good wherever i mean there's a reason that the guys won however many races it's been he's i would say martin Truex jr is good where other wherever but he sucks at super speedways kyle larson sucks at super speedways you're right they're still good they're still good there though just the results don't end up that way. I don't know. I don't know. I'd call it. I base just this is on my words alone. So you don't have to. I mean, Kyle is in the con, in contention to win Daytona damn near every year. In fact, should have won this year based under the any other rule back to go to 98, I guess, is what he used. As a big, uh, hey, as a big stinhead. Uh, that's offensive to me. Well, quit taking, that's your no, quit taking things away from our fan base. Yep. Unbelievable that you have to stoop that low. Caleb promised uh, a very Caleb heavy episode again. He's going. He wants to go on a a twofer for the people. And Caleb, what what is on your mind? What's the hot takes that you? Might have up your back pocket. I don't know. You teased a lot about it, so. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a pretty good hot take. I'm I'm pretty over super speedway racing. So. Oh, um, not not that you know it matters, but uh, I'm pretty over it. I got a text from um, my grandpa who has watched for years and years and years, and he said he's like officially over super speedway racing. Um. I'm 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 about over it. Is it because uh, well, of the finish or or what it why? I'm curious now. I am I'm over I will here's what I'll start with before we get into like me being thrown out the window. What I will say is I'm trying to save you here. I'm trying to give you some, <laughs> some ground to stand on. So yeah, right now I'm just mulling over different ways to make fun of you after you stop talking. So I will say today's cup race was was better in the fact where we really we we didn't go single file um and we didn't wreck as much um compared to you know previous years but at the same token i i'm it's not good enough racing for me to where like we try to kill somebody and we cost teams millions of dollars the the cup race today was good for the most part. Um, 
looking at priests on board and the damage to Larson's car scares the living hell out of me. Uh, we sent our annual driver to the hospital this weekend. And it, it just like what I see on track is, is not worth the millions of dollars and the sending people to the hospital that we go through for like, okay, cool. We actually had double file racing, but it wasn't like there's an abundance of passing. They're all just running side by side too wide. And like, it, it just, I, it ain't worth it to me at this point. So I'm calling to cancel super speedway racing, although I know it's never going to happen. I feel like today was a step closer to what I would consider quintessential NASCAR super speedway racing in the sense that they were side by side the majority of the day. Yeah, it was more about track position and fuel strategy, which was a complete 180 from what Talladega and Daytona are usually doing. But, uh, you know, the racing was was pretty good. They weren't single file train on the chop. You, you know, you're not choo-choo behind any Hamlin. And, like, if you look at pictures of what the pack was looking like today and what the pack looked like, we'll say, 2006, like, when they repaved it, it looks pretty similar, pretty identical. You could generate runs on the top with enough confident cars that were committed and make your way up to the front. You were able to kind of defend um, a little bit. And so um, the only thing that's really different that I feel like that they would have benefited from as far as the passing goes would be uh it's harder to side draft with this car uh so it's a little little more difficult to make your runs but all in all i thought today was actually pretty solid yeah and that's i think part of that side draft issue is the part of the package that the next gen car kind of took away a pro of what we kind of thought was the quintessential super speedway package um and there's a trade-off like there was lulls in the race today. It kind of felt like, yeah, we're just kind of waiting for stage three at this point. You know, there's not too much that can happen here unless uh, someone in the number one car tries to create a lane that isn't there. Uh, that only happened at lap 186. Ah, or would that be? That'd be 87. Anyways, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself on this whole episode. Uh, but no, it's, I thought today was, it's super speedway racing like NASCAR built itself off this. If you want to do the NASCAR built itself on short tracks and that's why we need to go there. That's why I defend Talladega and Daytona. I've been to Talladega many times. It's my favorite track on the schedule right now. Um, Just because of obviously the speeds and stuff. I hate, you know, the perspective of, you know, we could, we could have a driver hurt today. You know, I never want to think about that stuff in the first place. And uh, it seems to come up at Talladega and it comes up after someone pulls a dumb move. And the first reaction is, that's it. Super speedway racing sucks. I hate it. Screw this. And it's like, no, you're mad at the guy that pulled the dumb move on the biggest stage. Okay, but here's the thing. No, no, no. I'm not. That's that's not specifically at you. I want that. That was tweeted before (laughs) I even heard that you were going to do that on the episode tonight. But here's the thing: you're going to tell these guys not to race, and and you're going to tell them not to do dumb shit. Okay, Joey Logano should be slapped on the wrist physically, like with an actual stick. I don't know if I can advocate for violence on Spotify. We'll, I guess, we'll see. 
after we post the episode. But tell them not to do dumb stuff. You got to learn how to not to do dumb stuff. That's why ARCA races at Daytona and Talladega in Pocono, so they can learn on these racetracks. Well, the only thing I'm going to say about that is the ARCA race was way better than Xfinity yesterday. So somewhere something's getting confused because I, I saw people calling. Mm-hmm. I saw people calling for a cancellation of the ARCA broadcast on Saturday. There's people. There's a, a wide campaign to take the race off television. You're telling me the Xfinity race was worse. My um, in my mind, the he told me that, and I was like, "Were we watching the same race?" Yeah, because no, they were, it's. They were three wide for like 50 laps straight. Like, it yeah, was... I, everyone loved the first stage of that race. I, I'm remembering every tweet I saw. I feel like I'm getting you're making me feel like a rain. He man. literally in quotes, he put it were either under yellow or single file. Mm-hmm. And I don't recall single file like at all in that race. No, I think that was the Arca race. They were either under yellow or there was the six group, the pack of Correct. six cars out out front in front of everybody. Yeah, how many people went to the hospital in the ARCA race? You can go to the hospital oh, at okay. any track in yeah. any race at uh, any yes. time, though. And that's, and that's another yeah. okay. I was going to say. We've had, we've had a tumultuous – I don't even know if that's – I had to stop, like, using – Tumultuous start. I think I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, shit has been torn up all over the place in racing this year. It sucks. It's just a reminder <laughs> that the sport is dangerous and another reminder that thankful – you got to be thankful for every safety advancement that anyone makes. This sport is dangerous. You are correct. However, there is a difference. When I get in my car and I go to the mall, I know that there's a risk. I'm going to be in an accident. But if I'm going to go out there knowing that every other driver on the road is drunk, that's way higher risk than just getting in my that car. Is, going- that is such a leap. Because it is, if if I'm if I'm, it's one thing to compare drunk drivers on the road to Ross Chastain. The entire field, you've gone too far. I would argue that what Daniel Hemrick did was was almost as bad, if not worse, than what Ross did today. I I had I had trouble analyzing. No, no, it was worse. Okay, that was was the point about Arca. Was like, okay, yeah, we had some wrecks in Arca and stuff, but like. Those guys race better, like professionally than. I think the... you're you're like you're hung up on the wrecks of the race, and not the product that the race put out. Uh, like well, like I said, the product was better than it has been. Uh-huh. But that's what I'm saying is is the the product that I get is not worth the the risk to these guys. If if we go race at another track, yeah, the risk of somebody getting injured is always going to be there, but it's way higher at these super speedways and it's just it's a meh show for for the risk that is given. I do hear that a little bit, but I like part of me like See, at some never point, at some point when we when we have seen a driver or someone like say we're going to take this race off, we're going to threaten to protest racing here because it's too dangerous and we have a win and we're going to go to the playoffs and we'll see if NASCAR gives us a waiver. And, you know, we feel so strongly about this, that we want to take that stand and we're going to protest racing here this weekend. Well, but here's, and like I said, I know it's never going to happen. I, there's a, there's a couple of us in the friend group that are like, at what point does this, you know, change or whatever, but then you go look and you see, NASCAR's back at Talladega, car flipping, car flipping, car flipping, car flipping. And you're like, okay, it's not going to change because that's what the people want. That's yeah, and my, my take on that is a little we, – we, you're, 
you're jumping into different things. Like, I if <laughs> if there's an iconic moment with a crash in it that like that was the end of the race and the highlight is the two cars under the car flying on top of it of a driver that was obviously okay. But you know, you promote that. That's a different thing than here's Monster Jam Crash Madness Volume Seven uh, coming Sunday on Fox. I agree. Well, that's that's people go to Talladega because they know that's the stuff that they're going to see. Obviously not all. My dad just texted me and said he's offended that you claimed that. Not all fans are like that, but you know that there's the the casual people out there and that's why they go is to see that stuff. So it's it's not going to change. They're not ever going to get rid of it because, you know, that's, that's what the people want to see. And not all of them. I would argue, too, that this debate over the safety of super speedway racing, whether we should be racing in the tight packs, has been a thing for longer than the last couple of years. I think it's been a thing since they started pack racing at all at Daytona and Talladega. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Noah, find me the numbers of how many people went to the hospital during tandem racing. Yeah, but... No, listen, listen, you're trying to Do you think, though, that that's part of the car? This isn't, it's, again, still, I mean, it's still part the car. See, that's, and that's the one thing, so Larry, the one thing Larry McReynolds said today with the Larson door bar being pushed in as much as it was, he goes, I've never seen that before with one of these, you know, with with a car, not the last generation or anything before that. Like, he's like, how many times have we seen a car go back up the racetrack at Daytona or Talladega in a similar fashion to what Larson's did, and we've never seen that? Yeah, I think the one thing that didn't help in that situation was the fact that Priest gassed it back up. <laughs> so and and we're, circling back to, we're circling back to Damon on what are he thinks Priest is good. <laughs> well, <laughs> he tried to he tried to be cold trickle there for a second. And it there's didn't a little, work there's a little bingo everywhere here. So that that's one thing that didn't help was, you know, instead of going, you know, 110, 190 miles an hour, he was going 110, 120, 130 miles an hour. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something of concern uh, in my, in my book for sure. I think that the Priest and Larson thing has almost as much to do with like actual physics than it does to do maybe with the car itself because Priest was gassing it up. Like his his rate of acceleration and velocity and all that funny stuff was higher than it normally would be when a car flies up in front of you at a super speedway. And so that could also be part of it. But I would also generally agree that I think, yeah, that the car definitely has something to do with it. And that's where I'll and give yeah. NASCAR credit, though, because they in those situations, they do take the car back to the R&D center and will hopefully learn something and um you know, that's that's the good part is hopefully they'll they'll come out of it with something. Because I'll it say is. this, I'll say this is when when we had pack racing with the last car and before the tandem when when they were running the I guess whatever was it, Gen five, Gen four cars, whatever the hell they were, um they those cars didn't or didn't have these same injury prone issues. We didn't send drivers and we had similar wrecks, if not some that were worse. I mean, I still remember seeing Tony Stewart barrel roll down the back straightaway at Daytona and, you know, he was perfectly fine, got out of the car and was perfectly fine. You know, you've got Bobby Labonte who did the same thing. And there's just so many different wrecks where we've seen guys go through some of these things 
and not have any um, any injuries in the in a similar pack racing style. So that's where I think I think it's more of a car thing than it is more of a a pack. I know it provides it, but I think it's more of where uh, where the car comes into play. Yeah, um, heard it Pocono all by himself last year. Correct, I mean, correct it's me if I'm no, correct yeah, me I mean, if I'm wrong there's... though. Um, they only took Perkins to the hospital as a precautionary, right? There was no yeah, sign. Was he there for two days? He was discharged he, he after the race today. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was but, released today. Yeah, yeah. He was, but wasn't Wait. it ba- purely based off precaution? And they never stated. I'm not a doctor, so uh, I, all I'm focused on is he, he's discharged and healthy. Yeah. But that's so normally you go to get checked out in an incident like that, and they're going to have you there for a couple hours, run some tests on you, and then if you're fine, they're going to send you home. They Hospitals, the only thing hospitals like absolutely hate to do is keep you overnight. Like they they love to push you out of yeah, there. Well, so I'm like, not a NASCAR driver. What is what? I that's a, he's way more important than a normal person. Okay. Well, anywho, I'm just <laughs> not. It's a fair I'm point. It's valid. <laughs> I want you to barrel roll six times on the Talladega backstretch and hit the asphalt, have your roof graded and everything, and leave the hospital immediately as soon as you possibly can. <laughs> I, think, I think Noah's advocating for me to get an orchestra. Thanks, Noah. That's I will decline. I don't want to do that. Dear God. If we're only going out of caution, there's My no sin will be NASCAR Heat 5. There's no reason to be there for several hours, then be there overnight. And then the update we got this afternoon was, well, he might be there later. He might be there until tomorrow. They might have been waiting on tests or something, too. There's a there's there's a million different reasons he still could have been there. But the end result is that he was discharged and he's okay. See, they couldn't get to him. They couldn't get to him because they're giving everybody IVs that that uh, passed out on the boulevard. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> you, know, you got to remember. There's never a bad time to get an STD test either. Yeah, he's probably updating his papers. Yeah, I don't want to speculate. I'm not. I'm not in the business. Had a colonoscopy while he was at it. So <laughs> it must be obviously we feel, shot too. What's the What's the one hospital? Um, Gunderson. It must be Gunderson. 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 <laughs> oh God! Uh, you'll have to. Um, you'll have to give context. Know. Yeah, I, don't I know. will. I will add on, though, I know it wasn't during the tandem era, but Ryan Newman's incident happened tandem-like style, and he was sent to the hospital. So Caleb's argument for going back. That was was getting sent out of the facility. It was was three cars locked together and guy throwing essentially kind of a block, but it was was a three-car breakaway. It was a block. It was yeah. Ryan Blaney is making pushing you forward. You're gonna make the move and you're gonna block and then leave the facility. There, there was no tandem, there was no three cars. The run that like was a pack generated. Of six cars anyway. Yeah, they, we they haven't talked about the race cluster. today. Yeah, this is true. I will say the race today was a lot better than what we saw because we got side by side. It does suck that we don't have what we used to where you could drop to the back and then that's what what we loved about watching Dale Earnhardt Jr. driving at Talladega is he could go to the back to the front in five laps 
and it was fantastic. That's what we we made big stories for that. We you don't have that with this car. It was really cool to watch in the Xfinity race because that happened to Josh Berry. He went to the back to the front like five times before he got caught up in that last crash. I think it, it that was what was cool about it is it brought back those type of memories and those type of storylines as you could go to the back and get to the front. If you were in the back, you were stuck there all day without getting some sort of track position and it just happened to pan out where Brad Keselowski was able to get track position late. Uh, I saw a tweet today that said that if Dale Earnhardt had been had had today's car back in 2000 when he won his final race, he'd have finished 18th at best. Yeah, it, and it, I, I think it's so insane that the leader of the race on the bottom lane is running partial throttle the entire final run and nobody's able to pass him. I, I think that's indicative of a problem for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought today was really good. It's interesting. There's still more wrinkles to figure out with this next-gen car at Super Speedways. Just at, like, you know, the like uh, what Blaney was saying about Bubba is, like, you know, you can get away with throwing two blocks, but once you throw the third on the same hockey word here, but the same deking motion, once you throw that third one, like, that's where your car is going to get too squirrely and you're going to get all out of whack. Uh, I'm not sure if Bubba, uh, if the setup that – conduces how good he is at and i'm not blaming the setup or giving complete credit to the setup but it second plate or uh, second super speedway race in a row where his car has been the most squirrely squirrely of any car on the track and i feel like part of that is based on how he likes to drive it and what gives him a little extra speed over everyone else at daytona and talladega loose is always fast until you're pointed at the grass Shout out to the Loose is Fast podcast, guys. <laughs> we will do we will do a mid season thing with them where Damon and I just drink with them and say we just fire stuff off. The Jesus. last one, the last one was great. It was wild. Go back and listen to that anytime. I I think I it's probably the dumbest I've ever sound. So if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, go to that episode and get us canceled. We all know how hard that is. It's pretty tough. Caleb, I will say I will say the other thing too with this race is you know it it reminded me a lot of before there was stages um and even the early portion or the early years of the stage racing when teams would kind of run this race a little bit backwards or try to short pit like they did at Daytona that's where the strategy where I I really like this kind of this style of racing I just wish you could be able to move maneuver a little bit better because it's it's more of a chess match and it makes it makes those strategy calls that much more important. And, you know, they were not making, they were making a big deal uh, about like when Keith Rodden is not on the, on the box for Austin Dillon this week. And they're like, well, it's not as big of a deal that Justin Alexander's there. I'm like, well, it's, it is kind of a big deal because at the same time, you don't have your normal crew chief who's been with you through the entire season to this point. And you're trying to make calls that are going to help you, in strategy type situations, I get well, it. The, the, one the, crew is, the crew chief is still there. You're right, but he is not there. The yeah. best part is 
with with this kind of racing though, like whoever you're around, you just look and you're like, oh, you you, you guys are coming in on lap twelve. Oh, yeah, me too. Like you can kind of just do that. Like so that's the one you know a helpful point at least with kind of this strategy. It but. does it does get like more nerve wracking as the day goes on, and like you're sitting there and your favorite driver is getting pushed by um, I won't say the car. I think. He's getting pushed a by giant a giant moose on it. A guy that might that might do something dumb, and you're kind of sitting there like, "Oh God, oh God, not this again, <laughs> please." My favorite part during the race was Zane Smith near the back or whatever, and he he came over the radio and he said, "The 21 is leading. I don't like that." And so he like dropped all the way to the back, <laughs> and, then, and, and proceeds then, to wreck in. <laughs> That same crash. <laughs> the 21 gets dumped and ends up taking out Zane. And it wasn't even Harrison's fault, but it just, Yeah, Zane oh. got dumped by Legato. I was, I was just about to ask, was it the same guy who was running 14 miles per hour slower and uh, made the two-time... This is I got comments saying he's a two-time champion because of moves like that. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't every driver go into turn three about 188 times today, pick a lane that they were going to run and stay in that lane? Isn't that isn't that what you do on every corner at Talladega? Michael McDowell got passed about a hundred times by the pack today, and he he managed to never do it in the middle. middle. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's the thing. Yeah, he, he did it. On, near, he damn near pulled off with Kevin LePage though when he, they went into turn one, and he chose the bottom instead yeah. of taking the top. But he damn near wrecked the whole field doing that. Well, the, you're talking about a different thing because there's another one where they went into turn three and he took the bottom. And yeah. I'm like, they're going to come freight train you. Like, just get on the apron now and wait till they go by. But it's the same thing Almendinger did in the 500 to try and keep his lap. And everybody was crucified Almendinger saying, wow, that was a dumb, bold move. Like, you're lucky that worked. And then Logano does it. And some people are like, eh. I will say Logano did it better than Dinger did, though. <laughs> he did. because <laughs> that? Dinger, Dinger threw about six blocks before they even reached him. But... <laughs> Because like, Dinger was Dinger Logano was like, "Hey, I'm you know gonna try to at least blend in at some point." And Dinger was like, "No, nah, y'all are taking me." So well, like, and Logano didn't even have to do anything for it. He, I mean, the traffic filled in perfectly around him. Like it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, that onboard shot everything worked, and that's what cool. I was trying to say. Was like, okay, you got it. It worked. That's great. Uh, can we talk about this guy and why that was stupid? Yeah, and I, I think that's why he hasn't gotten as much crap for it was because I like he almost just took it as like this is where I'm gonna put my car and like wherever I end up, that's where I end up. And Dinger like forced the issue. He was like, I, I'm not leaving this pack. So yeah. somebody's going with me. That's the other thing too. Logano was trying to stay ahead of the 14 at the same time, I believe, right? And yep. And he committed to staying in that same lane pretty damn clear the whole way where like you said caleb dinger did not <laughs> dinger, dinger was gonna make sure that he stayed in there so dinger, dinger turned a blinker on last second <laughs> i got gotta love the dude man <laughs> i like i like your thoughts on uh that one i think we need to break down ross chastain's because i think people want to hear that especially oh, I, I, I i have an interesting take for that oh, so boy, we've made right. a cl- We've made it clear that Hemrick's move was worse than Chastain's, correct? 
I would say yes. By a hundred. Would, yeah. would you say yeah. Scott Melton's incident in the Arca race was oh worse my than God. Rick's? <laughs> Melton, yeah. I mean, dude, what a dumb decision so that was. I, I was working two different football games on Saturday. Was he the one that was going to get by the guy wrecking and then gassed it into the car? No. So Melton – the, basically, the field's going on the inside of him on the back stretch. Is Melton, he a lapsed car here? No. No, he was slowing down because a car in front, they got loose up front, and so the whole pack separated, and he got slow, and yeah. Yeah, so and, basically, yeah. there's a car on his inside on the back stretch, and not like – not not like he he's almost clear one way or another like they're door to door and melton turns to try to get in line doors the dude comes <laughs> back and then tries to get in line again and doors him again <laughs> he doored him twice and then took him out with a right rear right, i'm just gonna look up his name on twitter and see if i can find that's good context caleb the... you did good it, it was yeah where he right rears him, I think at that point he was out of control, so it wasn't like he he was attempting to right rear him. But yeah, he he doored him trying to get in, and then he decided, well, maybe that guy's gone now, and he doored him. <laughs> Not like he couldn't see him out the front, out the window, but I was I was yeah. dumbfounded by that. I couldn't oh. believe it. And, uh, I so I'm searching Scott Milton on Twitter, and every single one of the first seven videos was him involved in the Arca wreck at, that wasn't this weekend. Oh, it was, yeah. the one at, it was the one last year at Talladega, wasn't it? It was either that or Daytona. I, I remember. Yeah, it was Dega. You sent to the hospital. Right. With like I, a got, I got one right here. Shout out to tobychristie.com. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, I also want to give a while you're looking at that. I want to give a shout out to Mandy chick and like, I don't know if like Damon saw this, but, um, Yes. The like kudos to her. The poor lady is trying to have a drink under <laughs> her <the yellow. laughs> she, she has her water bottle in her hand. She's under caution. So you know everything's cool, calm, collected. <laughs> and she's on the backstretch and her tire blows. And she, I mean, did not waver, like didn't lose control, didn't do anything. You can see her panic as she's it trying to scared the piss out of her. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> she I needs a new her. fire suit. Like, <laughs> I can't even blame her, but you can see the panic on her face as she's trying to get her water bottle back and she's fighting the car as, oh, God. I, I was trying to find a video of that, but I, I couldn't find one on Twitter. I had but. it all over my, oh, God. <clears throat> it was... I because I, I was in and out for a little bit and I just sat down back down to watch it and they were like this is what happened to Manny Chicken and I'm like no way she's holding <laughs> on to the car with one hand and her water bottle in the other she's so trying to steer the self bench around the corner it was pretty impressive that was one of those things that absolutely should have been like oh that's an Arca moment but it like it, she she did such a great job like. 100%. I'm surprised they didn't use that in the uh, put it out segment this morning on in the pre race. Oh, right? Yeah. That would have been perfect. Just her eyes it. just glowing when just it happened to us. <laughs> was, was it the sweet move of the race at all? Did they nominate that for it? Because they should have. That would have been awesome if they I did. Think I, it, I think it was Love's Restart. I don't know. I just sent you guys a tweet from uh, Dean Thompson. And it says, uh, it says your rap name, 
uh, is Lil plus the last reason you were in the hospital and he said Lil Matt Mills. He <laughs> 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 talks it's a funny guy doesn't, on Twitter. It doesn't matter what rivalry that is. That's a fun one. No, the best part is Dean Thompson was like inactive on Twitter. Like he disabled his account until that incident. And he was just like, hey, like I'm back. Like I'm all good. Just letting you guys stay updated. And then like ever since he's reactivated it, it's just been this absolute hoot. Dean Thompson's a fun Twitter follow. Starting shotgunning of the field. (laughs) Speaking of Arca too, though. The points leader in the Arkham and Art series is pretty cool. Oh, you didn't let me do that one. They didn't do it. They didn't do it as the sweet move of the race. That's a big L. Yeah, Frank Nunez is the leader in the Arca points. So like that's well, you just have to have the, you just have to have the first name Frank to be good in the Arkham Arca series. It's fine. <laughs> He's, He's on his way to like a hundred championships. The inevitable you know. Damon comparison of Frank Kimmel and Frankie Nunez. Uh, that's okay. the difference. That's is... one square off the bingo sheet, people. Hey, listen, one is an absolute celebrity, and the other was a Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> okay, true. like. You're this like, that's pretty cool seeing him as points leader, but like I personally am super stoked on Greg Van Ols being the points leader before that. And him getting his Xfinity start with Alpha Prime will be pretty cool yeah, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That it's awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, Frankie Muniz... Uh, way to be controversial, guys. Man. Uh, I had so a friend of mine... Do you, want to be con- <laughs> do you want to be controversial? Kind not of? against Greg Van Ols, absolutely Here's not. Here's rock. what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Frankie, obviously, we know his decorated background in racing. I mean, I swear to God, if your guy Greg Van Os takes just out listen, just listen, just listen for one time in your life. Okay. <laughs> Frankie goes out and wins this damn Arca championship. Then any actor that's ever drove a car once in a in a single episode of any series is going to be like, "All right, my turn to do that." And then we're going to be back on this is Arca. So it'll be <laughs> Arca hasn't arced hard enough in a while. We need this. I don't know about that one. They're trying. We have have another jokester playing single-A baseball. This guy stinks. Get him (laughs) off the field. You're ruining my viewing experience. So we'll have Melton still exists, so just keep in mind. If any any actor wants to jump in an Arca car, that's the place to start. Start on Arca West. You're telling me that the 2023 champion is going to be Frankie Muniz, and then the 2024 champion is going to be Patrick Dempsey. That's, That's what I'm hearing. I got George Lopez. (laughs) <laughs> they can find a helmet to fit his big head. <laughs> oh God! I was gonna say Tim Tebow tries his third career. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I picked George Lopez. I think he'd fail tech for a low right height. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> All right. If you're still listening, you can skip to Antron Brown right now. I won't go far. <laughs> oh man, yeah. The uh, having Frankie lead the points even if it's three races in is super big i think jesse love is going to obliterate him in the standings um oh, for sure abs yeah there's no shot but it's going to be really bad if he doesn't if you were to ask me could he get second i would say there's a lot of value and if you can find a betting site to let you pick him to finish second exactly yeah and like it's it's great for generating broad appeal uh, from you know people outside of I do, do want to say before we keep going he is like a racer like he was yeah. in the IndyCar feeder series before he got into acting and whatever contract said they couldn't 
you can't be racing. He, he was damn good in the celebrity races he ran. He he had some affiliation with to- Toyota at one point. I the think. last gem of motorsports and like the the motorsports white whale is that he never raced a prelude to the dream. Well, now we get we're you know starting to get that back. So hopefully, yeah. I I want to say Frankie Muniz is going to win the sixth annual up, uh, Kyle Larson Lay Model Challenge at Bulls Gap. There we go. <clears throat> It'll have 48 cars in it because the 24 cup guys that showed up got provisionals and they had too many real guys show up to chase the money. So 48 cars will start. They'll just have two shows. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be the way to do it. Yeah. You get the 1A main and the 1B main. They'll have the, uh, the celebrity feature and the professional feature. I think that'd be fun. I, I honestly, I think it works. Yeah, no, seriously. And I want their late models painted like their cars. I should be a race promoter. I'll wrap all of them. Let's I mean, listen to me. Yeah. They'd rather listen to Connor and put a giant hill on the back stretch of Talladega. Monster trucks at Talladega if you do that, man. Excuse me. One of my guys, I'm a big Harrison Burton fan, and he got taken out by a damn crack in the concrete today. How do you pave your way through a tunnel on – what's supposed to be the most famous surface in auto racing, and you have a crack there? Who worked on that? What kind of construction worker leaves a crack? There's a couple of flaws in your story. What do you mean? <laughs> Number one, you called it the most famous surface in auto racing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's pretty no, famous. I don't not number one. That's, well, Indiana there's a lot of cracks that claim it, so I thought you guys would blaze past that. We can move on to the next issue. Nope. I was gonna say they made they came out with the list for famous USA tracks, like, and it's not on there. Oh, God, do not receipt me on the most famous asphalts list. Don't do that. I, I am. No, I'm seriously. Why? Why is there a crack? Like that's not good. That's Just like any good. other racetrack. Dude, they raced uh, Daytona with a piece of the track missing. They raced a Daytona. Don't worry. They raced a Daytona after after Juan Pablo hit a jet dryer and melted yeah. the track. So that's what I was gonna say next. If and you're I, a racer, you'll race on any surface, any car, any time. That's no, that's great. Your crack just caused this guy to wreck, and it could have been a catastrophic catastrophic incident. Hey, Gregson not been on his bumper, he doesn't wreck. I disagree. Every every other driver in the United States of America. What do you do at that racetrack? What do you do at that racetrack 188 times? You bump people. Okay, well they went about 187 laps without wrecking over going over that bump. So I think it's just a Took out a car today. I expect it fixed. I expect it fixed. Get out there and fix it. You go down there and you fix it for me. You do not want me fixing the crack. I have no business fixing. Then I don't want to hear All you. All I'm going to do is it. take a squeezable thing, a silicone gel, and put it Perfect. in there. Try it. Little oh, tooth. so then you slip on it and you spin out. Problem's not solved. I'm not a track engineer. Obviously. Well, I didn't claim to be. I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into it. Well, I, had a wild fan. I had a wild fan in my mentions tonight telling me that if I think that, then I should stop reporting on hockey when I'm – I'm just a guy that wants to watch hockey and watch my fucking team win. I could give two shits what you think of my hockey takes. Atlanta had a, like a hundred million seams on it because it had cracks and nobody was hitting the seam. That's and, great. Like, it didn't cause out. any wrecks. I'm saying this one caused well, it wrecks. Did. Definitely caused wrecks. You think the track surface at Atlanta caused the wreck? Yeah. Like abnormality. Absolutely. 
I don't know if you noticed when they pulled tires off of those cars before they did the repave, <laughs> but you would have done out. a better job driving no, the gravel. Out. You time out right now, Damon. You guys are agreeing right now. I think we Am are too. No, I'm saying, yeah, like the wearing of the tire and flat t- stuff like that's that's out of their control. But it causes accidents. That causes, yeah, sure. This crack, the car moves, and that's how he starts to get loose. I don't because I think of the, the crack. Nose had as much to do with him getting loose as the little tiny bump in the asphalt yeah definitely mashes up at the same time are we going to stop drafting at talladega anytime soon i don't think so look ty gibbs who compared himself to jesus was leading the race and went through that same crack and had no issues so that does it doesn't matter how many people went over it in the ice man let's not start that (laughs) no no i got i got a hypothetical for you okay you're watching a williams grove race all right, and God forbid somebody wrecks, the car goes up, flips over, hits that bridge that sits over the racetrack. Now he has to go buy a new fuel tank. He has to buy a new car because the bridge took it out. Do you think that bridge caused the damage, or do you do you think it was just a product of racing? Both. The track surface is as much a competitor sometimes as any other car on the track. Man. Oh, don't do the Masters thing to me. Don't do that. No. We're not we're not doing the Talladega surface just got its first victim. <laughs> Why it isn't lies, Connor. Just go fix the bump. God, you got a bump. Go fix it. There's a crack there. So bump's been there for I, say, I say that as an Iowa Speedway fan, far and far and fully aware that there are many bumps on the Iowa Speedway surface. That bump's been on the Talladega surface since they put that tunnel in and you're telling That's me great today. It caused a wreck. The bridge has been at Williams Grove for a while. If anyone hit it, it's not gonna be there after. I don't think you understand the point here. Just because it was Harrison Burton that spun out, you wouldn't have said this. I wouldn't have said it if it was Ross Chastain, but any other driver I can promise you I'd say the same thing. (laughs) No, you wouldn't have. If if it was Ross Chastain, he'd be trying to go five wide, and that it would trigger a multi-car incident in which he gets no damage from and just takes out everybody else, and he, he would win the race too. Well, regardless of what happened today, whether it was the track's fault or the Camaro nose, Harrison Burton certainly turned left today. It's a great city. He, he went by and, was, and Noah yeah, went by. <laughs> and somehow Zane Smith wrecked. Well, Thanks, I mean, Ross. it was Lagarde. <laughs> Crazy concept. <laughs> um, no, uh, Kyle Bush getting the win. That's pretty big uh, with just. Implications. An underdog win. It is yeah. an underdog win. Whatever. It's not an underdog. I, it's underdog upset. and upset I are different the, tiers. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Noah. Yeah. I agree with Noah. I thought he said upset, and it was There's clicking a in my head. There's a the context yeah. there based on what Connor said. Although, you, and let's remember, I did. Kyle Busch last won a restrictor plate race 2,500 days ago in July of 2008. 2,500 days? That's longer. That's longer than the last Minnesota Wild Stanley Cup. Oh, oh wait, timeout. I'm remembering the wrong team. They have zero. My bad. It's been two My entire bad. generations of cars since Kyle Busch won a restrictor plate. Yes, he's I, always in contention. He doesn't always get the result, obviously. Or you know, I would say it's surprise like a surprising win, but 
the sports books clearly knew something because while you guys were arguing it earlier, I looked it up and he did have the seventh best odds to win that race. That's because he's a fantastic restrictor plate racer. He just I, doesn't finish. I would like to say that the sports book do not know the super speedway racers. Nobody knows super speedway. Then why were, then why were Blaney the and Denny Hamlin number one? Kyle Larson was favored to win the Daytona 500 this year. It's because he has the fastest car in qualifying every year now. This is but, true. But also, they had Blaney and Denny show. at number one. So clearly, there's they know that's, something. That's because... So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. You cannot, no, you cannot use just that they got two things right to say they know 2,700 places of where everyone's going to finish. Yeah. Brad Keselowski was the fifth best. Which well, he, was, sense. he was telling yeah. his crew today that they'd be lucky to get 25th. So I, apparently they're wrong there, too. When It was Brad's choice to go hang out in the back at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was his it. choice. I do, have a, I do have an amendment to the Kyle Busch uh, Winning at plate races? Do we count the uh, Gatorade dual races at all? Oh, you could. No, 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 you don't. no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. There were a different brand of racing. Absolutely not. It's a qualifying race. You're saying it doesn't count because okay. it's okay. against fifty percent. Fifty percent of the field is just trying to not rack Damon. Fine, then the Bud Shootout. Ah, no, it. not even. That's even worse. The Bud Shootout is 100% of the field trying to wreck. Yeah, <laughs> they got nothing to lose there. They know that car is going to the dumpster. I will say it's a testament to the skill of super speedway racing, though, that the same handful of guys, because Josh was just talking about the sports book, the same handful of guys are always up front at the end. A lot of people want to say that you're just tossing balls on the roulette wheel and that anybody can be good at a restrictor play track. Mm -hmm. Yes, but the same group of guys are consistently there at the end. Guys like Blaney, Hamlin, Kozlowski, Bubba Wallace. Just because they don't finish well either doesn't mean that they aren't good at it. Kyle's a prime example of that. Kyle Busch is a prime example of that. He's led how many Daytona 500s and been been up front at a lot of those races. He should um, have like three or four right. 500s. Same with Tony Stewart. Is he a bad restrictor plate racer because he only won at Talladega? Right. And how many he, wins he does he have? How many wins in the Xfinity or at the time Bush Series did he have at Daytona in in February? You oh know? my god! Driving that, won like driving that thirty-three and four car. It was like watching Dale Jr. do it. It was you wild. Throw, you can throw the eighty car in there too. The one year. Oh yeah. That thing. I vividly remember that for some reason. That car was fast. It was fast. Well, it came from the junior stables, so I mean, Noah, it was, Noah what was your rant? Oh, I that the the skill of super speedway racers was my rant. I it's just I I am so so tired of the argument that super speedway racing is all up to luck and that there's no skill involved because there is absolutely skill involved. It's why the same people are up front every single time. I, Dale I Earnhardt, love, Dale Earnhardt Jr., the yeah. best ever, were always up front at the end. Mm-hmm. I do Dale, love that, I, Noah. I, in Noah's few shows to get his show career off to a start, I don't know if that's how I should say that, but I'm doing it now. Uh, he has hit on every topic. I, I remember like asking, oh, he likes F1, he watches IndyCar, he watches NASCAR, this and that. And I, I made him promise that he likes IndyCar better than F1. I was worried. And he's probably hit every strong rant I've done on the past three months in like four episodes. <clears throat> It's just the same one, like fifteen episodes later, for the listeners. Reuse, I think reuse, the only, recycle. 
I think the only reason that the the whole you know luck thing comes into play with the super speedways is those guys do run up front, but like if you go to Phoenix or Charlotte or whatever, I mean you always have those odds. But like if Martin Truex Jr. is up front with five to go, odds are Truex is going to win the race. If Tyler Reddick is up front at Road America with five laps to go, odds are Tyler Reddick is going to win the race. What are you saying? Unless Chase Briscoe is running third. I'm getting there. The chance, the chance <laughs> of, I thought you were betting on races with five laps. If, no. <laughs> if Fred Kozlowski and Joey Logano are running first and second at Talladega with one to go, odds are they're not going to win the race. Odds like, are somebody's leaving the facility. Odd, yeah. Odds are Michael McDowell wins. Odds are Michael McDowell wins. And so, like, that he lucked into, you know, like, that's where you can say. You can have lucky wins anywhere. Yes, they might happen a little more. But again, and speedways, but you Kevin have to be Harvick in position. at Indy. I got, again, I got, I got, I got a ton of hate. I got a ton of hate from people on the internet, as well as my father, when I said Cole Custer stole a win at Kentucky. He did. He absolutely did. He was in position. Yeah, is it not is it not lucky that three guys bumped each other and you had more speed because you didn't bump anybody and you went and to the front from six? Blaney hit a manhole cover or something on the yeah. apron and yeah. got all squirrely. That was a fun they race. Should, was a they finish. should fix that manhole cover win. and make sure no one hits it again. You know that that's what they should do, Noah. Maybe Blaney shouldn't have drove that far down for a while. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I As do understand. Maybe, maybe Harrison Burton should go onto the track surface to go around the. Court. I do understand what Caleb is saying, though, because I mean there are races at both. I mean David Reagan's a prime example of this. The guy won at Talladega in a front row car. Probably shouldn't have. I mean it was damn near dark out. They were one two. They had. They were one two. Gillen was second. Yeah, Reagan, Reagan, every other restrictor plate race is up front. He won that 2011 Daytona July race. And he, David Reagan win at Darlington? No, that, you're thinking Smith. of Regan Smith. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. And Regan <laughs> Smith should have a restrictor plate win too, but NASCAR uh, took that one from nope. them. Blame Tony Stewart for that one. Yeah, <laughs> We are throwing blame at the wildest of people. <laughs> Yes, actually, no, I won't blame Tony Stewart for that one. He was trying to defend his position. I'll blame NASCAR for not enforcing the rules that they set in place. We're gonna have to do we're gonna have to do history podcasts on the offseason. No, no one's gonna be all over that. Any anything from like 2004 on, I I I will sink my, my teeth into man. I, I love talking about that stuff. I, st- I think since we got a white whale in Antron on this podcast, I think the next one's either going to be Frankie Munez or to get J.R. Hildebrand on here and find a way to ask him about the Indy 500. In a different way than anybody else has asked him probably by now. <laughs> I, I've honestly, I, I could probably like look it up and try to find it. I've never heard him really talk a ton about it. That's fair. It's also- not like, I mean, like the year after, I know they mentioned I, they did an interview with him, but. You know, it's one year later. What are you going to say? Yeah. But like now you have kind of the time to reflect and maybe like hopefully like we get on a Zoom with him and he's got two pearl statues of like a lion and a tiger. And he's like really rich. And I I wouldn't feel as bad. It was very obvious in a Zoom background that he had made it. We've talked about it before, but, you know, if anybody was going to 
to win that race that wasn't J.R. Hildebrand. I think everybody's glad it was Dan Weldon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you guys have any other takeaways from the race today? Uh, and then we'll kind of get to the rest of the weekend. We'll talk about what's to come this weekend and all that, and we'll wrap it up. I thought that what Michael McDowell, uh, the advice that he gave to Todd Gillen was really, really interesting. I don't know if any of you saw that, where he basically said, I suck at Talladega. And he went to David Reagan. He said, help me, because Reagan's always there at the end. And David Reagan said, with 20 to go, you pick the bottom and you don't leave it. And every time you will be there at the end. And so today, Todd Gillen was in the bottom lane and he got a top 10 out of it today. And so McDowell passed that along to Gilliland after Reagan gave him that advice. So I thought that was pretty cool. Noah, do you have Todd Gilliland's like stats to start the year? Do you have his finishes? Um, I know that there's a lot of top 15s in there. And yeah. in three top 10s. Yeah. Three top 10s, six top 15s in nine races. We were one spot away from J.J. Yaley top 10 today. That makes me a little sad. But... No, he got a top 10. No, he didn't. They no, they, they, they got a in order. They put him in 11th when I looked at it last. They changed uh, it I, twice. When yeah. I wrote the recap, they moved him to 11th. Yeah, he was 11th. Oh, no. Who the hell is reviewing this? What they're thinking is here. The, the, the last the same person that called the same person that threw the yellow flag about 20 minutes late on Briscoe's donut celebration on pit road. So, all right, yeah, <laughs> no, it, that's not, it's a good thing you brought that up because that's the other thing I wanted to it's talk a, such about. A, it's I, such a weird instant. Yeah, I, I, and I, like think it. They, I think they assumed that he would get it straightened out or he was in the wrong gear to launch. I, you know, it looked like he was still trying. Was, was, so, so he was on pit road, right? Correct. Yes. The right front was flat. If anyone was questioned, the right front was flat as well as the left rear that was dilapidating live on TV. And that's why he couldn't get out of there. There's people assuming that like, guys, I, I understand the next gen car is a puzzle and there's weird things to it, but it's not going to not go like on one tire. Yeah. Same when, thing with one tire being with one life. tire being down is what I'm saying. Like the amount of torque that one tire, one good tire on the other side is going to generate it. The car is going to move forward. There was, it was, uh, I want to say last July, Joey Logano um, crashed. Uh, it was in that wreck that Briscoe almost flipped in. I'm pretty sure. And he was stuck, up, stuck up against the safer barrier. And he was also performing the infinite burnout glitch because he had tires down and couldn't go forward. And so I think that's just, you have tires down and can't go forward because they won't roll. So I, I think that it's not a next gen car problem necessarily. It's a, you have too many flat tires and can't drive problem. Which is well, insulted by a, the next gen. Right. Cause it's the tire doesn't have an inner liner on it. And the old tires did, you could still at least drive around. It was going to tear your car all to hell, but you could still at least drive on that. We saw that when you lose a tire, you can't drive very easily and you tear up your car on top of it or you go down three laps. I don't know. I'm not saying that the, the next gen car is like completely absolved of blame here. Blame here. I, I'm, I just, I feel like it's hard to get going in any situation. I will say, yeah, the lack of inner liner is absolutely a contributor to not being able to go for sure. 
So uh, a guy on Twitter named Justin Scholler says uh, an hour ago NASCAR was still reviewing changes. Uh, oh, the- it's probably going to change. Yeah, up until tomorrow or Tuesday, even. That's Just- stupid as hell. Oh yeah, no, I don't disagree. I, I. That's like the last time we had a presidential election. My buddies and I were drinking wine, waiting for it to end. You were drinking for a couple weeks. Ahead. Oh man, like we were up till four, and we're like, "What the hell is that? Like, do they not know how to count?" Yeah, I. It, it does feel like a process that would t- be pretty cut and dry. Hey. This is the time frame where yeah, it's not like you're the changing the time frame where the caution was. Yeah, that's the first is, thing you decide. You were here, you were here, and you just go all the way back, and then you're done. You only have to do 38. I just cards. want to know what their process is to it and why they aren't just taking shots. I mean, give me four at, at minimum. I would say, at minimum, I would say, give me three, give me three pictures. Stand still of the pack racing, and you have enough cameras there. Give me three pictures at the moment of caution. I will give you the order of the finish. And I, I want to say this with the, the caveat that I absolutely agree with the decision to throw the caution on the last lap today. This is why I hate finishing races under yellow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stuff like I mean, this happens. But at the end of the day, you know, what's more important, getting the finishing order right when we want it or, like, guys not getting sent to the hospital? Yeah, objectively, like, I, I know I would like to, as a fan, as in as a proponent for finishing under green, I'd like to see how bad the wreckage is before I throw that yellow in an ideal world. But you don't have that much time. You don't have that much um it's impossible to have that good of a reflex to have that all go through your head and, you know, finally make that decision at the end. Um, So you can't really, you can't really advocate for that. The only thing you can say is either always finish under green or don't, you're not racing back to the line. Yeah. I, um, I feel like it just really depends on where the wreck happens as far as whether a race should finish under yellow. Cause like turn one. Yeah. You, it's going to be hard to kind of slow down from the start finish line to get there. I think once you enter turn three, I just, I hate finishing races under yellow ever, but I especially hate throwing the caution 300 feet from the start finish. I, I, that's not, I don't think what matters to NASCAR though. They refuse to put, and and, in rightfully so, but they refuse to put safety vehicles on a track that is green. And so it doesn't like, it doesn't matter where the wreck happens. I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm not competing with you here. Like, do you think they should? I don't think they should. I mean, I think that's the the safe way to do it, you know. Um, but that's I think that's why where yeah, you could say like, oh well, you know, it's on the back stretch and you know, they're in turn three coming to take the checkered, so you could just let them finish. But NASCAR's point is they want to get the safety cars out there to check on those drivers, and they are not going to do that while the race is still going. And I hate it because that's one of those things that, and I've talked about this before, but I don't think I've framed it like this. Um, like a, a decision like that is usually made on a policy basis. And I, I hate policy base 
decisions. I think every decision should be a case by case for the reason of, hey, there's a wreck at in turn three and these guys are racing back to the finish line. And by the time they get back to turn three, where they know the wreck is at, they're all going to be told to slow down. It's objectively the safest move to throw a caution on the last lap, you know, no matter what, you know, if it's. Uh, but that's because that's because of the policy with yes. the safety vehicles. But there's, if there's a, a wreck coming out of turn four and there's three cars racing to the line and you throw a yellow there because you want to get your safety vehicles to somebody, I'm not going to hate on you throwing the yellow because of that, I'm going to hate the policy because yeah, you just ruined sure. the race finish that you didn't need to ruin. They're going to race back to the line either way. From a fan and, and comp- competition standpoint, I absolutely hate it. Um, and I, I feel like they should do it on a case-by-case basis. And like, yeah, you know, they're in they're in the tri-oval. Don't throw the yellow. I, I've Every single finish I've ever seen where they throw the caution, the tri-oval, I, I end up almost throwing something at my TV because... It just makes no sense. They're already going that fast. Let them get to the line and then throw your caution. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing with policy stuff. Uh, you guys have any more NASCAR for this week? Uh, three two-time winners so far that are clinched into the playoffs and Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, uh, and William Byron. Uh, so two Hendrick drivers and Chase Elliott made, uh, made up a lot of ground today in his return to Talladega. So that was good. He's already passed Gregson in the points. I can't wait until he returns at Dover. <laughs> it's been too long since I've seen him there. <laughs> the defending race winner at Dover. And it does sound like there is uh, more weather coming to uh, Knoxville Saturday. So we'll keep looking at that broadcast. Uh, they rained out two weeks in a row now. Uh, and Dover's broad or Dover's forecast doesn't look great either. So uh does it ever? This yeah, time? in other no, news, I, I, I'm just advocating for Marcus Smith to be president so we can build roofs at every racetrack. I, you would think at like a track like Dover, they could kind of do like the the baseball theory of a tarp. Okay. I, I, can you? Interesting. I know a dirt track did that last, like late last season, and people were calling them. Uh, People were calling them uh, rednecks, basically. What? Okay, but I don't know why. It made sense. I mean, they (laughs) they did everything they could to get the race. I don't even remember if they ended up getting the race in or what track it was. That's a problem with me playing too much hockey. I I apologize. I'll look it up and I'll give them a shout out on the next episode. But there's nothing wrong with redneck engineering if it works, man. It's not even that. I'm I'm clipping that. I'm clipping that, and I'm going to send it to Damon every time he tells me I have a bad idea. Well, no, it's preventative measures. You're trying to be able to put your show on at the regularly scheduled time. It's just like baseball. I get, I understand that. Yeah. Why is it a problem if let's get some sponsored tarps? Let's get some chick chick hicks looking tarps with a bunch of stickers on them. Or you should wet weather tires and put lights at Dover, (laughs) which they'll never do because the local government won't let them do it. But Next, you're starting. No, no, you're starting to sound like Connor. Next thing you know, you're gonna have them tear up the asphalt, turn Dover into a dirt track. I think they should. Bristol does it with the asphalt there. 
<laughs> they put it on top. That's it's, not then, conf- it's not confiscated. Then, it's fine. Then Dover can go back to its history and, and run horses there again. Did you see that <laughs> kick-ass Bristol Dirt pickup truck race this weekend? I don't, I don't know who that was. Don't know, yeah, no idea. We're just laughing at people wreck each other. It's the It was a demolition derby. I'm about to look up Ford Rangers for sale on my Facebook marketplace, man. I, I need someone to... Uh, Put one of those videos up with the Ford Ranger song in the background. <laughs> Just figure out how to get that and send it to me at the earliest convenience of yourself. Thank <laughs> you. Um, no, the uh, only other thing was, and I need to go back uh, this weekend uh, and watch, or this week and watch it. Uh, I guess I got two other things. Jeez. Um, Supercross ran, they had a rain delay. And they've never, they haven't had a rain delay for 50 years before this season. They've had one race oh. rained out and they've had Saturday was, de- I don't think de- they've had delays. I believe there's no way they went 50 years and didn't have a delay, but they've never had a race canceled because of rain. They had one this year and they had another delay on Saturday and they were racing in the mud and I need to go back and watch it. Cause I was at the Stormers game Saturday night. Kick ass. Yeah, yeah that, that was sick. cool. Justin Barsha got the win because, um, of course, Bam Bam finds his way to victory lane once a year. Everyone, I mean, everyone that's a Supercross fan knows of Justin Barsha. I won't say the guy I'm thinking of because uh, he had a decent race. Um, not too far out in the standings. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But I, I do. About Hayden Deegan. No, I'm not talking about him, but he oh. he did okay. He didn't win. Which, right? one, which one are you talking about? Not that one. <laughs> he's not he's not gonna name him. Connor said the hell with your bingo. Yeah, I was I was gonna go on a des- description path and yeah, no, we're not we're not even talking. I don't think anyone's been playing today, so and then the uh the outlaws lay models uh had the Alabama gang one hundred weekend, I believe is what the race was called. I one race was sixty, last one was forty, uh or the split features were supposed to be twenty. That might, yeah, there's supposed to be two, and then there's three, so the 100 really doesn't. Anyways, Alabama getting 100. Brandon Overton gets back into victory lane after Bobby Pierce uh, suffers from a broken wheel. Uh, it sucks for Bobby because we know how talented he is, and he probably doesn't get all the credit that some of the other top guys do, uh, which just comes in winning the, the massive crown jewel races at Eldora. Really, it seems like that's how you pick up your, your weight and name. Uh, and it does help that the one guy that was dominant last year uh, anywhere uh, won at Eldora and, and did that thing in the million with Jonathan Davenport. So Brandon Overton getting back to victory lane there um, at uh, Talladega was cool. I think that event is sweet. The trophy looks badass. Do more events with NASCAR on the weekend where you can poach some fans and get them down there to see your stuff. I think Ricky Stenhouse won twice this weekend too. He won both. He won both of the uh, sprint car features for the USCS. And uh, special shout out to Red Farmer. I was about he to say that. second yeah. second in the crate late models last night. Badass. How old is he now? 90? Ninety. Ninety years old. Ninety yeah. years old. Square nine. And what's uh? It's Davey Rudiman, right? Is he still racing? Is that the other one? Of what? He's racing. Uh, <laughs> I think he races a modified. Don't Josh. Are you talking don't about Buzzy Rudiman? 
Yes. I just it's, love Damon's reaction. His facial expression was everything. Well, because it's, it's David. I'm sorry. I, 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 I fully it declare that I've been hit in the head a, a bunch of times. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you're thinking of Buzzy. Yeah, I, I, Buzzy no, I'm, I've confirmed four times now that I'm thinking of Buzzy. How old is Buzzy? Was my. I think you're. Question. I think you were thinking of Buzzy Rudiman. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll give you an actual answer to your question. He's 81 years old. There, okay. Which, which means he's they, like 15 compared to Red Farmer. That, that just means he has 10 right. years left in him. At least. Dude, yeah, Red Farmer least. and Buzzy Rudiman are going to outlive us all, and they're still going to be racing. I want nothing more. Red Farmer should. That guy could tell some stories. No, I can too. You want to hear one? No. Nope. <laughs> no. I can say you've gone too long already. Don't have a lot of time for him. <laughs> you guys got anything else? Um, I have a wild stat. That like, it's more of a funny stat. RCR came first and last today. Oh, that's cool. Also, McLaren won in NASCAR. Yeah, McLaren's only win in 2023. You see this their is... website crashed after the race? Yeah. Yeah. I did. This is the Good first for win for the eight car at Talladega since 2004 with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And that was the was that was the uh, the one that got him penalized from the championship. Sure was. God damn! Don't mean shit. Daddy won here ten times. <laughs> <laughs> Your first championship don't mean shit either. I guess. Apparently not. Oh, man. See, the thing is, is he shouldn't have been fined for that, and I'll stand by that no, to this day. That was a knee jerk reaction to the Super yes! Bowl thing. He was yeah, fined. No, oh, he was oh. fined and was suspended or had uh, points taken away he that cost him the championship. Yeah. Taken away. I've never heard that story. I don't. Don't ask me how. We'll talk about that in a sec. I my number one public, I guess, mission right now is to find who the hell made that decision. I'd like to talk to them. Well, not so mad. Just want the, to the context. No, no, I'm very pissed. <laughs> yes, they're not uh, going to hear the end of it. I will talk to them until they get into the vehicle where they drive away fast for me because I've been yelling at them for 35 minutes. So February 2004, the Super Bowl happens. Janet Jackson's nip, nip slip happens, and the FCC absolutely loses their minds. And so everybody in cable television is freaking. The it goes back. Hell it out. always goes back to the FCC. Yes, and so. NBC, uh, I want to say, is where that Super Bowl was televised to. Mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt Jr. swears on television. The FCC is already pissed that people were having nip slips and stuff happening on TV. And so every it was just a knee-jerk reaction by NASCAR and their TV partners and everything. Um, it was definitely a knee-jerk reaction by NASCAR. I don't know if NBC was actually involved, but I'm sure they were. Um and so they so they find his points and took money away because they were like, guys, we gotta we gotta behave on television. And so I uh, hate that that's a deciding factor is that he decided to say a naughty word in victory lane. Fucking behave while while paying homage to his father. Yes. Who? Yeah. That's what pissed me off. And oh, the not- fact that NASCAR does that to his drivers, like as if cussing is. Like the line of good and evil. Especially it's insane the, to me that people do that. And, you know, if you don't want to tell your kids cuss words uh, until they're 18 or whatever, or not under my mom's house, you know, I, I guess I don't care, but they're going to fucking hear them. 
Let me tell you what. Especially if they listen to this podcast. No, I, I purposely right put that, that in there where I did. <laughs> like, I, I grew up playing hockey. I've had some things said to me, you know. Uh, the IndyCar thing. Connor, I, I haven't said this, and I forgot to. Uh, Connor Daly had a great point on his podcast on uh, Speed Street. It's a Dirty Mo Media show um, about IndyCar's statement to the Argentinian fans that were coming after Callum Eilat, uh last week. Uh, that you know, you're just going to have haters and, you know, the bigger you get, the more haters you're going to get. And, you know, it's, at some point you just got to block them and not let it affect you. And that that's the whole thing. When people get on someone for using bad language, I'm like, what, what are you, why are you dying on this hill? What is so important here that these 13 words or whatever the hell it might be, what, what, why are those words why do they mean anything different than the other words we use to say when you stub your toe? Yeah. Well, and that's I'm not, ta- and I'm not talking about slurs or anything like that. Yeah. Obviously it was the, how you know it was a knee jerk reaction at the time in October, 2004 is every other cuss word that's been said in the last decade. will go 2013 to now in an interview. In, I, I want to point out importantly in an interview, not like a radio communication that got televised. Cause obviously they don't know they're on TV. Um, in an interview, some of the things that have been said that people haven't been penalized for. And so I, I wish that they wouldn't have penalized Junior for it because then you could argue and Noah, and Noah, with Edwards. Noah, back to the, the policy-based yes. decision argument, that that would break precedent, right? Yeah. Which is why precedent can also be stupid. And I know I've defended precedency, not yeah, you all get uh, what I'm saying. I think I'm doing it right. Basis. Yes. But I, yeah, it just, I, I, I hate that. And obviously it's been almost 20 years. So it's, it's kind of, you're, you're yelling at a brick wall, but you could, you could make the argument that junior lost the championship when he wrecked at Atlanta with Carl Edwards. And instead now we're like, oh, he said shit on TV. And that's how he lost the championship. That's so arbitrary. Like, Thanks for bringing another cuss word count to the podcast. And you just hammered me on. For doing the same. I never I never claimed I wasn't a hypocrite. I think I we're just part- no and I are just partners in crime. Everyone else is along for the ride. <laughs> I, Strap in your seatbelts and pull those belts tight one more time, you know? I during this that tires like segment, the only thing that came across my mind was to everyone listening, the bigger that always race day gets, if you hate on Connor, he's just gonna block you out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I haven't blocked someone on Twitter in a long time. I I'm I'm just gonna block a bunch of wild, change that. No, I'm gonna b- block a bunch of wild fans after the series ends when the stars win. I was gonna say that's if the stars win. Win. Lose your thinking, Josh. Josh wearing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Not know. I'm gonna start saying that for when the Warriors win the series. I agree with you. I think they're gonna win the series too. Steph Curry's they, the best player in basketball. They just need to pick up one away win. <laughs> winning at home and not on stop the josh josh came to visit me along with caleb and a couple of our other friends and we went to an oklahoma city thunder game and the warriors were playing and they lost because they were on the road your favorite shooter was put in timeout by lou dort <laughs> he scored 40 another appearance he scored 40 <laughs> you've been sent to the torture chamber Early, early lines show uh, Sacramento minus point and a half. So 
dogs. Well, I just like, want to, I will end the show uh, by saying that we are 125 days until the next super speedway race in the Coke Zero 400. Another one of my favorite races of the year uh, because I love what super speedway racing is and that NASCAR has been built on it. It's very yeah, it awesome. Just thumbs down to you. And that. maybe, maybe in a more positive note, we're seven days away. If you're listening on Monday, we're six days away. Uh, from the NHRA four wide nationals at Charlotte, uh, where Antron Brown will be competing for the win, going for two wins in a row on the four wide circuits. Uh, appreciate him, appreciate him joining us um, and everyone uh, that loves the NHRA because uh, Damon's definitely made me love it um, forcibly, but it works. Definitely works. Uh, and love Antron Brown, my best friend. He's next on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy it. What's up, guys? We are now joined on the Always Race Day podcast presented by the Carl Auto Group. In his career, 72 career wins, uh, three NHRA top fuel titles, uh, 131 career final rounds. It is NHRA Drag Racing's Antron Brown. Antron, thanks for joining us. Oh, anytime, Connor. It's a pleasure to be on. Man, just getting ready. To, our race season just got underway. We got four races in so far. And I tell you what, this 2023 season has not disappointed anybody. It's been super competitive. All the race teams did their homework last year, and everybody's coming out swinging, man. And uh, it just feels so good to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and obviously, four races in, you just uh, took away the win at the uh, NHRA Four Wide Nationals uh, last week. And you guys are going to go four wide again next week, right? What's that uh, kind of like with drag racing and the dynamic of that event uh because i know when it started it was it felt like the nhl's uh winter classic so you guys would do it once a year now you're doing it two races in a row what's that dynamic kind of like handling that well the cool part is that we all get used to it you know and uh we we get used to it and we get in that groove and it's, it's just a little different processing when you're doing it but for me I've been doing it for years now, man. So the four wide, you just got to know when to go in, how to go in, how to race it. And and the the hardest part is, is just getting everybody else that's not used to it on the same page. Because only one thing that you really got to do is when you stage in lane two or three, the only thing that you really got to pay attention to, you got to pay attention to your stage light is on the opposite side of the tree. Do you get what I mean? So that's the only part that you can really – get lost in and the thing about it is is that for people to stage appropriately and on time like if everybody goes in there's no problems but if you got somebody that's never done it before they're kind of up there and it's kind of overwhelming for them and they're kind of lost in the sauce but besides that once everybody gets there and you're going with people that raced it before it's not confusing it's, it's not uh anything that's out of sorts that makes you go crazy i think it just brings a whole new dynamic and element to the race fan where it's old school like back in the 60s back from orange county when he used to race four wide back in the day this ain't something new ain't something it's just old school well this is old school it's just we just brought it back you know what i mean i didn't even realize that damon i thought it was uh i thought it was completely new when they said they were going to do it like what was it, 2015 was the first one something close to that 
I don't even remember how how long ago they actually put it into the national circuit, but they used to match race it like out out west. That was what it, they did uh, out west uh, match racing. You see a bunch of old pictures like Antron's talking about. You saw a bunch of the old pictures from Orange County. It's pretty cool. And you talk about uh, like getting into the tree. Uh, what was the Damon? You kind of kind of go out and explain, uh, or I guess Antron can from last weekend with Steve Torrance and uh, Sean Langdon. What what was the kind of controversy surrounding that. I know there was some Facebook posts that have been kind of finding their way around circles. Well, it's, it's, it wasn't about that. It's just that um, racers try to get advantage, okay? And different people, some of them like to go in first, some of them like to go in last, some of them like to make you go in first and hold, and hold you out for five seconds to make you think about it and go in. Some people like to double bulb you so they can rush you. So there's a whole bunch of different deals, just like chess. It's like playing a game. And uh, it wasn't with Steve Torrance and Sean Langdon. Steve Torrance and Sean Langdon was just talking about uh, Josh Hart. And Josh Hart, he just it's just the way he races. And uh, it doesn't bother me or bother anybody else. But what happens is, is that he does different things. He likes to go in last because that's what we feel comfortable at doing. Uh, I had a racer back in the day when I raced Pro Stock Motorcycle. His name was Dave Schultz. He went in last all the time. He used to go in on the chip with the, the bike wide open, like, like on a two-step, and he used to roll in, and he used to startle some of his opponents, and some of his opponents were used to it, didn't bother him at all. And it's just part of the game. It's a psychological game. There's no different than playing basketball, knowing how to guard a different defender or a golfer hitting a certain tee shot or it's, it's, it's all about the game and you want to use different things to your advantage to elevate your game and, uh, and, and to push people out their comfort zone so you can take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Like you got to remember we're gladiators. We're going to battle. We're going out there to fight. There ain't no, okay, well you go in and I go in. Oh, this time, you know, be like, you go in this time and I'll come in last. Like, I mean, we're racing, we're racing for big money. And this is what is all back on a big stage. And, and Sean Langdon, I thought he handled it well on TV. Like he just said, you know, Josh Hart, he wants to go in last all the time. And we know what he does. And he, and he, and he holds, he holds me out and I'm going in last this time. But what happened was it caught Sean Langdon and got him timed out because he, he waited too long because we're four wide. If it's too wide, the tree does not get activated until the other person goes in. Well, we all know four wide, and Sean stated that on TV that, you know, Mike Salinas went in, and that's when the seven seconds starts. Mike Salinas went in, Steve went in. Then Sean waited for Josh to go in. He was sitting there waiting. And then Josh took his time and went in. And then when Sean was trying to bump in, it was already too long and a tree activated and he got timed out. So going to four wide this weekend, I don't know what's going to happen, but it, it was pretty cool because you know what? They're racers fighting. They're fighting for what they want. And uh, I thought it was a, it was a good narrative. And uh, I liked it because nobody was backing down. You know what I mean? So, and that's, that's the cool part about it is And, and uh, it, it brought some interest to the sport but you're going to see some more of it. Trust me, because if somebody knows, if other racers know what you don't like to do, they're going to exploit that on you. 
Antron, you, you ran bike back when with Schultz, like you mentioned, and, um, and Myers and all those guys that they had a lot of, uh, um, there was a lot of rivalries in the early, in the early two thousands, late nineties, you know, you go back to like even the, the force and, and, uh, Pedragon rivalries in, in funny car. Do you feel that, that the sport is not necessarily rivalries, but missing those personalities that we had back then? No, I think you got a lot of them now. You have a lot of different personalities in our sport. It's just looking closer to the picture. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, you're starting to see more people get more outspoken. I just think back in the day, people were more outspoken. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, you'd have to be politically correct. Well, now, you know what I mean? You have a lot of people that have a lot of different sponsors and you want to go this way and that way and you have to portray your company, but still you have to have some fun with it at the end of the day. You know what I mean? You need to have some fun and literally like, uh, just like you saw with Sean Langdon, with Steve-O and with Josh Hart and John Force. Don't forget, he's still here, brother. John <laughs> is still being John. Don't <laughs> And I love the man of death because he's definitely showed a way to all of us and you got to have some fun about it. Do you think part of that is just because of how online dominated stuff is that, you know, it's like something will happen people will put a statement out. So maybe sometimes you don't say a ton on the microphone or you don't get that TV interview and, you know, you're going to go home and think about it and say it on Monday when you could carefully look over what you want to say. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, <clears throat> You got to remember, just like you guys are doing it now, podcast shows, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, you know, you got all this stuff now, TikTok. Today is a now society. They want it now. Like, like you don't have to wait to get home and watch your DVR. You pop it up on your phone and you can watch it real live time. Like the cable companies and direct TVs, like that, like, they're still getting some money, but they're not making nowhere near the money that they made back in the day because everything's live streaming now. You know, it's just a totally different atmosphere. And I think now what happens is, is that uh, I think you're starting to see it more now where where you're starting to see people are like, you know, they're not scared to speak up and speak out. You just got to catch them at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And And you'll see different people, they'll do one thing on camera, and then the next thing you know, they're doing an interview that is typed and they're telling you how they really feel because they could, they, they feel more, they actually like, you know, they're not scared to, to say what they want to say, typing it, but they're not going to say it in person in front of the person. You get what I mean? So Absolutely. still got a lot of that going on. But uh, for me in general, I just have fun with what I do and I have no problem in speaking up and uh, having fun with my competitors and teasing them. And messing with them, and then when we race, it's game on. I, I I don't play when I race. Like I'm 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 strictly business. It's uh when I put my helmet on, I don't care who you are, where you came from. We'll smile before we put the helmet on. Have a safe race. We don't say good luck. We don't say hey blah blah blah. No no. I'm I'm coming there. I'm coming there to take your lunch money. That's what I'm coming for. Antron, switching gears a little bit, you know, for some of the listeners who don't know you in particular, you came from motorcycles, pro stock bike, and then got into top fuel, uh, ran with Don Schumacher for a long time, 
and decided to uh, to go out on your own a little bit and uh, and into the ownership venture side of things two part deal how how has that gone and the number one thing that really stuck out to me is when you went on your own you went and got Brian Karate back how big has that been to to get the band back together it's been huge it's been huge because of the dynamic that takes place and uh you know uh when we were at Schumacher racing, we raced all those years and uh, we had great years at Schumacher. We won three ch- world championships at Don Schumacher racing, learned a lot from Don on the business side, uh, saw the infrastructure on how big it was and what, what you have to do to win championships. And once you find that DNA out, you find out that at the end of the day, it's not the parts and pieces. You could pretty much take any parts and pieces. Not, I, I shouldn't say that. You, you can't take any, you got to take the right parts and pieces. But if you take the right people, right, you can make anything happen. Anything happen. It's the people that make the success. And at DSR, you know, we, we had all the parts and pieces we needed, but it was what Don Schumacher was so fortunate to have. He had all the right people surrounding him. And all the teams, even though they were underneath one umbrella, they kind of ran on their own. There was like the leadership came from the crew chiefs on each team and they have meetings where they work with each other work and they were each other's number one competition. <laughs> they all help each other out, but they were a fierce competition with each other. People didn't yeah. understand. It wasn't like they met up and said, hey man, I got this new gadget. Here you go. <laughs> nothing like that. Okay. Nothing like that at all. I can tell you that firsthand and be honest about that. And then the coolest part was, is that when uh, I always talked about, it was it wasn't a secret. I, I always talked openly. And one day, my aspirations of owning and running professional drag racing team that that was that was that was a dream of mine for a lot a lot of years. And I ran a pro stock motorcycle team for three years. And even though I raced for Schumacher after that, we still ran the team underneath the umbrella. You know what I mean? So, so I was very, you know, like I had a lot of experience in that, but then when you just go out on your own and you do it, like we've done it and putting all the right people together, that was, that was the key. And, and even though we, we started in 2022 was our first year together, you know, we had to work through the bumps and bruises, getting the right people together. And this year, our dynamics been very, pretty good where we got the right people together. We've, we're getting the right people to gel, to mesh, to grow and learning. And, and that's an important part. And we have a lot of all-star people, but sometimes you have all-star people, but the all-star people don't get along. They don't mesh together. You have to have the right chemistry of people. And, and we have that now on the race team for sure. Is there any crazy like team bonding stories you have from a couple guys that didn't match or you, you had to go the extra mile to get them to figure out that relationship, that dynamic? No, well, the, the, the trick of the matter is, is that one thing you, one thing I found out along this journey, right? Some people just do not click no matter what you do. No matter what, no matter what you do, where they just don't want to hang out with each other, you don't want to be around each other, and and you can have all star people, 
but they have the wrong attitude. And attitude is everything. Attitude, when I'm telling you attitude is everything and having a willingness to learn, no matter how much you know or how much you've been out here, you want to have people have that mindset that they want to continue to grow. When they think they know everything and then when they collect and they get with other people and they hinder other people and bring them out of the range where they're at, what I like to do is create an environment that people can grow and create an environment where people get challenged and, and push themselves out their comfort zone so they can start learning how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's when you're, that's when you're headed to some, like, you know, a great deal of success. And, and we're seeing it right now with the people we have. And, and the coolest part is, is when you, at the end of the day, when the day's over and you, and you go in and you go out and you see all your guys hanging out at the restaurant together, you see them having a beer together. When you've got that going on, brother, it's only a matter of time before the race wins start piling up and the championships start happening because that right there is chemistry. And when you start seeing them be able to communicate at the race car by looking at each other, not saying words, you got something really special. Well, you guys started that, you know, pick up and that win at Vegas. And, uh, you know, we got on here and talked and, and hopefully can, uh, can see you continue to put together some wins. What kind of momentum do you think you can gain from that four wide? Um, and, and you know, obviously the track's going to be different when you go back in the fall to, to Vegas, but I'm sure you put down some pretty good notes and, and can utilize that because it was really the first time that we've seen a warm racetrack as well. Yeah, and, and what it's done for us is is that we have a new combination that we've been running. We're making more power now. And uh, the trick of it is is that we have to gain on that. Like now when we come back to Vegas, we just left off where we took off at. Mm -hmm. We know the power level we need to go in there at. And then we still have to like we have to work on some fuel stuff because we're in Vegas this year, it was hotter and the DA was four thousand feet. We're halfway to Denver. So <laughs> With that being hit, everybody had some carburation issues. I call it carburation issues, but <laughs> dropping holes. So everybody was dropping holes out there, and uh, and we have to go back there and tune up on that. So maybe if Vegas has a test session, we can go up where we left off at and then work on our fuel curve out there so we can even be better when we go back. And, uh, and, and lo and behold, with these next races coming forward, uh, we just got – the cool part is that we have guys on our team – that have never won a race, and that was their first race win. So with that being said, now they know and they've seen how to get it done. And with that being had, they know the work that we have going forward, what they have to do to put in. And that's the whole thing is that we just got to keep pushing, doing what we do, and drive and keep on driving forward. So, Antron, I do have one big question for you. So, Damon was telling me you got your start uh, in racing uh, motorcycles, and I think I was about 16, 17 years old riding for free for some sports blog up in Toronto, Canada, of all places, is where they were headquartered at. Um, so, I wasn't getting paid or anything. Uh, tuned into a few NHRA races. Uh, I think I watched a post-race interview of yours or something. Uh, so, I followed you on Twitter. <laughs> And I'm still today, I'm one of 446 people you follow on Twitter. And so every time we talk in HRA on the broadcast, I ask Damon where my best friend Antron Brown is. I, I've had some bad tweets 
in the past eight years. You've never, never unfollowed. It's impressive. I don't know how it happened. I wanted to ask it. A, if you remembered it happening, and B, are we best friends? Yeah. Hey, I don't know if we're best friends. <laughs> we'll get there. It's all right. We'll get there. We got like, like, like that, 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 that best friends is one of those deals where I can call you up, Connor, with no regard and say, Connor, man, I need 10 grand. That's the best friend. You know, I will, give, I will give Allison my number. <laughs> you can call me anytime and ask for that. If I have it, it's a different mystery. The check might bounce, but you'll get it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, it's just one of those deals where, you know, people got to grow. People have to grow. And at the end of the day, man, you got to stay true. You got to stay true. And uh, the thing about it, I like where you were going where you're headed and when you see the young gun starting stuff you gotta you gotta be there and give them support through thick and thin you know what i mean so so it's all good brother it's all good that's oh what it's about goodness. man in this world you know what i mean well i appreciate it because i did i remembered it i think i sent you the dorkiest dm i won't read it on the podcast i'm too embarrassed for that <laughs> i call myself humble at 17 years old so it was funny to read it back <laughs> but no it uh it gave me someone to cheer for every sunday too just watching from afar or whatever and we had ron caps on and i had to tell him i had to break his heart and say like i'm already best friends with antron i can't go at it with you ron like sorry you got number two though on our power rate that's right that's right you make sure you tell ron that every time too <laughs> tell ron say ab he does. my boy he does he he makes sure he makes sure of it uh oh my goodness so i i gotta bring this into the equation too you know um i I got my, I started drag racing junior dragsters like your kids did uh, a really cool deal for, for them. You got to test out the new, uh, the new Supra junior dragster thing. What can you tell us about that program? That's pretty darn cool. I want to get Damon. I want to get Damon in one of those. I'll go buy it ain't one gonna for him. Cause he doesn't, he won't do the junior dragster thing with me. I didn't I age out. I, I grew out. Well, the, the cool part is I got to work with Toyota and also got to work, work with, uh, half scale dragsters and building that deal too. So that's why I got to actually drive it. And, uh, and it, it was a really, really cool fun project. We worked on that project for now, probably it was like two over two years on that project. So, uh, it was a special deal deal to our heart because it started with Tony Puttergon. He wanted a junior, like he wanted a junior funny car, but mm -hmm. NHRA wouldn't allow a junior funny car. So it was going hand in hand with NHRA on doing this deal and bringing this deal out and Toyota was gun ho about it because they wanted a junior drag that you can fit in a cargo trailer. See the normal junior drags right now, you have to have over, you have to have an 18 foot trailer or longer and they don't make those in cargo trailers. Mm -hmm. So the new junior roadster, which is a funny car with the roof chop, chopped off is literally 90 inches long. So you can fit that in like a 10 foot, you know what I mean? You can fit that in a 10 foot, cargo trailer like a seven foot wide cargo trailer and put a scooter in it and take your kid racing or you could put it in the back of a pickup truck bed too with the, with the bed down you mm -hmm. know what i mean with the back tailgate down so you can't do that with a junior drag so junior drag they'll be sticking a mile long out the back of a bed of a pickup truck and uh, hey, i did just, that once we hauled one from south dakota back to iowa once that way so it was not a it was a scary sight hey did you ever notice that in the nhra rule book and people never knew that i mean people know it but they never did it the junior dragster can be what it is now, which is like uh, 15 foot long. Like the wheelbase could be 100 and 
I forget what it is. Like the wheelbase could be up to 130 or I forget what, how many inches, but the minimum it could be is down to 90 inches. And I nobody didn't never, I, nobody had never been a 90 inch wheelbase junior dragster. I didn't and even like, know you there was a thing. Why wouldn't you be? Like, I mean, that's the rule. I, was, I, I guess you did one a long time ago and said, hey, make me like a 100-inch wheelbase junior dragster. So that joker's smaller and narrower, especially for the younger kids. You don't need it that long. None of the cars need to be that long. But right? this, there's, they're made the true half scale of a top fuel dragster. Mm-hmm. That's what they're made. Top fuel dragster, front to t- like, you know, tip to tail is 30 feet long. And a junior dragster is 15 feet long. It's literally yeah. the size, but it doesn't need to be. Man, my dad is going to be very upset when I tell him that rule. <laughs> yeah. People could have made a smaller junior dragster a long time ago and it would have been a lighter car, too. Do you think it's tough, like, with like today's day and age and where the sport's at? Do you think, like, that style of junior dragster is going to catch on? Because I know, like, you got to imagine everyone in junior dragsters right now has obviously the older regular long narrow car but do you think the junior roadster is gonna kind of take the world by storm well you gotta remember the junior dragster deal has evolved they don't look nothing like they did back when they first came out and if you look out at the new half scales and even the other cars out there mike boss and all that stuff they look like the modern top fuel cars Mm -hmm. not even like the bracket racing cars the bracket racing cars big bracket racing dragsters they still got the little half windshields on them and they're a little small and everything else. I said, they need to have a longer rake windshield where you can still get in and see and do everything, but make it look more cooler, like bring it into the new modern age. You know what I mean? And, uh, the, the, the junior dragsters do like half scale. We got a windshield on it to get the same rake as our top fuel dragster on the half scale junior dragsters. They look, they look arrow. They look modern. And now the junior roasters come in. They just didn't come in looking like an old school roaster. It's a brand new GR Supra. Yeah. It looks like a, it looks like the GR Supra funny car, man. It, it's, it's bad to the boat. Like, I wish, and the coolest part is those cars you'll be able to race with the junior dragsters. They're not going to be a class of their own. It's all bracket racing. So you can race each of them against each other. So that's going to be the cool part about it. Definitely turns the sport uh, a little more affordable to do something like that. And, you know, is, is there, I know this is, is probably out of your realm of, of knowing, but is there like a developmental program that might get started out of this with Toyota put being the ones to, to help out with the, uh, with the first roadster? Well, they're always work. They're always working on, uh, like, you know, a grassroots program and Toyota's always been about that. So you could definitely see that. They get like in, and have some support out there for everybody, not just for certain people, but mm-hmm. for everybody. And then go into other forms of, of, of motorsports they got, like they got the 10 second supers now. Mm-hmm. So you've seen all that stuff building and everything else. So it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to definitely be cool coming out in here in the future. And uh, I don't know what they have planned, but I, I, I know some of the things. I don't know all the full details, but they definitely have a new program that they're going to outlay out there for the kids in the grassroots racing for sure. Cool. That's exciting. You know, I, I, when Connor told me that we were, uh, we're getting you on here today, I went back because I don't know why, but it always has stuck with me that that first top fuel title that you won and just the celebration that you guys had uh, in Pomona 
you got beat by Spencer Massey early in the day, and then uh, leave it leave it to old, old Double B Brandon Bernstein to to get you get you a a, a title because he takes down Schumacher in the final. And I don't know why it stuck with me, but just that celebration and and the pure joy that you guys had for your first title um, that that one has always stuck with me as something that is one of those big moments, you know, in, in NHRA. You see, like Schumacher's the run in 06 and and all these big moments and that one has been one that's always stuck with me i guess where does where does that one rank on your all-time list obviously being a first championship i'd have to say it's pretty high right yes it is that that was huge right there man uh that was pretty wild like to sit outside the car and you won the championship and you <laughs> and you, you could do nothing about it you know so it, it was it was pretty awesome and uh, i loved it and uh, I wouldn't trade none for it because we did all the work. But the crazy part is, is uh, it blows your mind when you don't lose one first round all year long. And the last two races a year, you lost first round for mishaps happen, just like for things breaking. Mm-hmm. I lost Spencer because our fuel line broke. We were way out in front, fuel line busted out, leaning off, lean the car out, pop the parachutes out. Uh, the Rick, the Rick, uh, the Las Vegas race right before that, I lost to Caleb Belushi first round. Go down the track, way out front. The clutch didn't go. Stop the clutch from going. And then I thought, well, spin the tires, I pedal the car, lost by three thousandths of a second. If I kept my foot in, I would have beat him. Sign sealed delivered. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> how that year went. How it goes. But you know what? It was meant to be, it's going to be. Antron, uh, last thing here, and we'll, we'll let you get going, but you, you said the uh, NHRA is filled with personalities and, and big statements and all this stuff. I was wondering, could we get a headline for the podcast? Do you want to guarantee a championship or anything like that? Or we can just be declared best friends. You got one or the other. Well, I can't declare a championship, but you know what? I, I'll tell you that, we're, that that we could be best friends, man. Oh, hell yeah. Damon, Damon told me it would never happen. I'm just letting you know, ma'am. I'll expect to see that birthday gift come up here pretty soon. When's your birthday? See, best friends know my birthday, man. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I'll have my just Facebook saying. pulled up. I'll find it. Just saying. We'll get to just it. Saying. Just saying. Don't, don't Wikipedia me. It's wrong. <laughs> is it wrong on Wikipedia? If, you, if you're my best friend, you know what my real name is, too. Oh, that's a Damon question. He's my, <laughs> he's my NHRA historian. <laughs> You see, you didn't know Antron wasn't my real name, did you? I call you AB because that's what the team's branding under. It's the most popular name, him, of you. So, so what's my real name? Is it Anthony? Is come on, man! Is it shot in the dark? <laughs> see, that's why I'm messing with you because Antron is my real name. See, how'd you there you up? go. I'm sitting here thinking, like, wait a second, this is news to me. I knew when Damon didn't know it that I might something. Something's amazing. I'm like, wait a second. I was waiting for you to pull out. I was waiting for you to pull out Jeff and just be like, yeah, Antron sounded cooler when I got to drag it. No, I didn't, man. I I can't. Let me tell you, my my mom and dad has blessed me with that name. Everybody has called me everything but Antron my whole life. So I just tease people that all the time because some people Uh, go to me because. Hey man, what's your what's your real name? That's gotta be your stage name. I said that's my real name. 
that's awesome oh that's good stuff i got one last question before we do let you go uh, what what can you what do you expect to see from these summer months coming up we're going back to to chicago a great racetrack a lot of speed there and then obviously some some fast tracks coming up what do you think we can expect here uh coming up these next few races uh, bro, some more of what you've seen. You're going to start seeing some teams, uh, come together, get together. You saw Justin Ashley. He dominated the first three races of the year, pretty much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, well, he won two races and then you had Mike Slings. I think Mike Slings won the first race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're going to, you're going to see a lot of different teams out there. Colette is coming on strong. Steve Torrance is, is fighting hard. Brittany Force, the champ, she's right there. So, Clay Milliken, you're gonna start seeing him wake up here pretty soon. Uh, they, they've been uh, they've been fighting hard, and uh, he's got so many cars out there. Sean Langdon's running is running good. His car's coming alive. He's driving well as always. And uh, Leah, Leah, let me tell you something. Leah, Leah, Leah Pruitt. I mean, Leah Pruitt or Stewart, as I should say it. You know what I mean? She's coming on strong too, brother. That team is on mean too. So, yeah. so when you're looking at it all, man, brother, it's a deep field. Given Sunday, you got you got you got twelve cars that can win, and uh, and it's not going to slow down, brother. It's, it's only going to get more competitive. Like when you look at our racing, when we're lining up. And Tony Schumacher's car's running good, and Tony's driving well. Tony's cutting some great lights, man. I can tell you, like everybody's hungry now. Like Brittany Force, she's she's cutting the tree down. Everybody's cutting the tree down now. So, uh, with that being said, is that we got to step our game up. It's going to be anybody's game. And and honestly, if I was a betting person, I couldn't tell you one person. Like, hey, this is the one that's going to win every weekend. You know what I mean? So, but I can tell you on our AB Motorsports side. Uh, we're working and, uh, and we're, we're going to come out swinging. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be there to compete at a high level at all these races. And that's one thing I can guarantee you. Awesome. Well, you guys can catch Antron, uh, next week at the circle K four wide nationals. I'm going to, uh, get down to the casino and place a hundred dollar future on Antron to win the title. Cause that's the only way I'm going to get 10 grand to pay him when he calls me. Um, but we'll get, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. So we'll be, we'll be all good. Thanks again, Antron. Anytime, fellas. Thank y'all so much. Thanks, man. Anytime.